This is season number 19 of Bass Talk Live with Matt Pangrak. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Aftco, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Pro Guide Batteries, Beatdown Outdoors, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, and Omnia Fishing. Hit him with the hook, Jeffries. PTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about bass fishing, uh, primarily about championship events today. We have the Red Crest going on on Lake Norman, and then we are going to dive into the Knoxville Classic, uh, second time that the Bassmaster Classic has been on that stretch of river, and then there was also an Elite Series in between there. So we went into the one, I believe it was 2019, with Ott Defoe as the runaway favorite, and then he performed and won the won the event. And then Ooh. we saw Gussie in the Elite Series say, ah, you don't have to be a local. You can be from Canada and win one of these things too. So now we've got a bunch of guys who know what's going on and a lot of them that are returning there for their third time. Today's guest is, is actually, uh, well, he's fishing his first classic and it's only like an hour and a half from his home. That's none other than Carl Jacobson from his man cave. What's going on, Carl? Hi, Mike. How you going? I, I Googled Dayton. So you're right on Chickamauga. Yep. And I Googled Dayton to Knoxville. It's like an hour and 25 minutes. That's pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're a bit further down. We're in between Dayton and Soddy up on the mountain there a little bit, but it's still hour and 45 to the ramp, I think. So when I uh, got to do a little bit of pre-practice um, before the cutoff of the first, um, I just drove across there for the day, fished all day, and then came back at night. So <laughs> that cool. had to be freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. I, I know how uh, meticulous you are with your preparation. Obviously, you can look in the back and see, you know, how well you keep your man cave and how well you you prepare. But this is the biggest tournament of your life that you're fishing in the Bassmaster Classic here in a couple of weeks. Just from a strictly preparation standpoint, how many hours in do you think you are as far as planning, tackle, prep, game planning? I mean, are, is this something that you've already yeah. got hundreds of hours in before this thing even kicks off in two weeks? Yeah, no doubt. I, um, you know, along with the, along with the elite series as well, but, um, it was interesting, like, I've had a good start to the season and I've had several people be like, um, you know, oh, what are you doing or what what have you changed or, um, you know, just asking why they think. And, I'm, and, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm glad I got a little bit lucky this year and had a good start. But then when I thought about it, I'm like, I have put hundreds and hundreds of hours into prep. I've, uh, I've done, like every single possible thing I can to improve in every aspect of my life to advance in my fishing career as well. My boat, my sponsors, my the way my stuff is rigged, my gear, my tackle, um, just watching hundreds of hours of footage, studying, internet search, mapping, um, Lake Master, you name it. It's hours every single day um, with from the second that I qualified, um, you know, we had a busy off season. I, I got to hunt in Idaho and I got to go back to Australia, but I haven't stopped like 
continuing to improve in every way. And then the second, like, I got back from Australia, every single morning it's up, it's study, it's looking at it, it's looking at footage, looking at old, as much stuff as I can. And you don't get caught up too much in it, but you also want to put, you know, give yourself the best um, all-round sort of um, experience that you can so you can put a plan together um, when you're leading into these events, including Okeechobee and Seminole, the same kind of thing. But the classic has been sort of like that top priority, but I also had to put it back a little bit and make sure that I was doing everything I can um, for the first two elite events and then go full throttle into the classic. But it's been flat out. I haven't stopped thinking about it. But we'll get into the first two elite events there, but you went down an interesting path. So I'm I'm a, a thinker, Carl. I like the stats. I like a game plan. I'm going to spend my hard-earned money in the opens trying to get to the Bassmaster Elite Series. I feel like the haphazard, let's show up and see what happens approach just doesn't make sense in my mind. That being said, dude, I interview hundreds of guys on here, and some of the best in the world are like, man, you know, I, I don't want to overthink it. I just want to make sure I have my stuff and I go in and I feel it out as it goes around. To yeah. me, that's the most maddening thing in this competitive activity slash sport, whatever you want to call this thing that is professional bass fishing. Yeah. Is you have guys who are super successful that are like, well, the key to me was I didn't do any prep, so I didn't have any preconceived notions. And yeah. that was the key to my success. But then there's a whole other group like you who are like, dude, it's every waking moment. It's 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 all this prep. Like, how how do you rationalize that and how do you navigate that between over prep preparation, spur of the moment decisions? I mean, is that is that a fair assessment that I've noticed that? Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's been what you just said right there has been the most single-handed frustrating thing for me about this sport because I grew up around um, my family and Australians and sort of just where we come from. We're workers. Like all going home this year, I looked and I'm like, I know where I get it from now. Everyone is working. Everyone is grinding. Everyone is just doing everything they can nonstop. And, um, and so, and then my family, the, with my uncle and auntie, my cousin, we, I grew up around, um, they did a lot of fitness stuff, CrossFit, triathlons, and then my cousin was a professional boxer. And so I, my sport, a lot of guys watch football and my sport that I watch is boxing, UFC, fighting. And, to, and, and in all of those sports that I've ever watched, I get a lot of motivation out of guys that are at the pinnacle of their sport and so that's what I get that's where I get a lot of my um, everything from and so if you the fighting if you don't if you don't put in every second waking hour nutrition working out training studying I mean you have to have everything crossed to even have a shot at being beating the next guy and being that, you know, top of the game in your sport. Um, so that's the approach that I take. And then so when you do all that and then this guy beats you that, you know, like you had, you know, Matt Robinson, everyone knows, but he's talking about taking jello shots the night before the <laughs> the night before the elite series or whatever and staying up to two in the morning. And then often he beats me and a lot of other guys. 
it yeah, it is frustrating to me. A and I've seen and I've had to really let go of that um, because it, it's it. it it's so much experience. That's where it actually is. Like Matt and a lot of the older guys, like they've just fished so much mm. that it's more that the their experience over, um, you know, how hard you work. But the thing that gets that that I've changed direction at is what do you class as success? What are you what are you thinking is success? Are you successful because you won a bass tournament? But all of these other things in your life are scattered and end up in falling apart or all over the place. But hey, you you won a tournament. That to me is not success. All of these other things have to be in place for me to call you a successful person. Are you a good person? Are you giving back? Are you a good husband? Um, brother, friend, um, you know, helping other people. Are you doing all of the – are you healthy? Because th this sport is so unhealthy. You're constantly getting energy drinks and honey buns and stuff from the gas station and filling your body with that. Your joints all hurt. Your back's hurting. These guys can't even get through past 50 hardly anymore. They're so ruined. And I saw that. And I'm like, that's not who I want to be. And, and so when I see the guys that are able to be successful in bass fishing and sort of not, not have to put the work in, um, and they, they are just naturally talented at that, um, I had to put that aside and say, well, I, my relationship with my wife, I've got a beautiful family daughter, I've got great friends, I've got successful people around me, I'm healthy, I'm fit, I'm looking after my body, my sponsors are happy. What All of these things, I think if you continually chip away, it takes way longer. You're going to have to work harder than the average bear. You're going to have to go through all of these brick walls. It's going to suck. But when you do break through that, you're going to have all the pieces of the puzzle together and not just be a good fisherman, you know, that week. And I think that's where it gets, um, that's where it sort of gets confusing to people because when I look at it, if you go all in on fishing and nothing else matters and you don't care about anyone else around you and you just go from one tournament to the other and you fish and fish and fish, like a crazy person for 10 years and that's all that it is, you better be successful and you better be successful quick because you're putting all of those other things to the back foot and you're only attacking that one thing. And that does, that's a lot of what, what great people do when you see the people that make it to that very pinnacle. That's often what they do. But when all of that goes away, you're going to have to one day look back and say, well, now what do I have? And what, what have I built through that? And if you, whatever you put all of your effort in, that's what's going to improve. And so it takes longer to me, but my mindset has switched. This has been a longer process. I've had more setbacks. It has taken longer, but I've put way more of the pieces of the puzzle of life together to be like actually what I call truly successful. Like you wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't even be able to, to comprehend or think about what you just said eight, nine, 
let's go 10 years ago whenever i knew you when you were living on fred rabanis's yeah. couch i mean you, yeah you literally were that guy back then yeah who was it does not matter any other part of my life i just need to be on the water i just need to be catching a bass and yep. you, you didn't have that perspective back then at yep. all like it, no. it's it's crazy how I, I guess that's yeah. the word i guess gosh dude i looked at this in it it said on your profile that you've been like doing this for 13 years now. And then I look at my age and I'm like, holy cow, we're, we're like grown ass adults now. Yeah. Even yeah. though it still doesn't feel like it, but I remember back then it's, it's crazy. The maturity that it, what you just said, based upon what was important to you when you were couch surfing and living in yeah. Gene's garage and living on Fred's couch and just literally traveling around night to night to night for years. Yeah. Forever. Like, um, yeah, I, that's, and that's what, that's what got me the big jump, you know, that's what got me to the elites. That's what got me. I was, and even when I met Kayla, um, I was still, it was just all about me for years with Kayla. It was like just me and my dream and my goal. No one's getting in my way. And what happens is when you, when you have those bad events and all those bad things were happening to me, they hurt so much worse because that was that was all I was attacking that was all I was going after and when then it didn't work out I'm like what your have whole you, life yeah what have you got to do it was so frustrating and uh and it's when I sort of let go of all of that and realized that you know there's a lot more to life than you know winning a bass tournament and and doing this and and why have that if you've burnt all of this stuff around you you haven't stayed in touch with your family you haven't called your mom you haven't you've you, you know the family I at home you yeah exactly i really do you, i need yeah. to it's been like three days oh, <laughs> and then come on, carl and then you you're you know you're away forever um from your family it's a tough life but you've gonna have to balance all of those things up and um i my um, Kayla's, Kayla's dad, um, he said the other day when I, um, after I finished well at Seminole, he said like he was super proud of me um, for um, how well that I balanced this year of spending time with Kayla and River and being a dad and also putting everything into my sport and wanting to be the best and then being able to get on, on the other side, man. It felt so good because it's like, it gives you that reassurance that like I can actually do this and not just be like totally psycho obsessed with like just that. I can I can eventually balance all of this out and have a well-rounded life and still compete at the highest level. It's tough to do though. No, I think that's uh, like I would venture to say the majority of BTL listeners, I think we all are in some sort of weird mental battle like that because you think about it a lot of guys i'll tell you like you brandon a lot of the professional uh, jordan lee lucas you kind of reverse engineer it right you're obsessed with it you make it and then you learn how to have a family around that but the majority of the of the listeners talented anglers bfl anglers bass nation open toyota series that are that want to do this for a living are saying okay well i i have the family maybe i have the kids we're in basketball or ballet or whatever so how do i how do i give how do i fulfill my life by chasing this passion that i'm in knowing that i'm getting older every day yeah. without mitigating or without 
detracting from the responsibilities of of family and life and quality of life for them. And I think that's a pickle that a lot of guys yeah. find themselves in is they have this and now they're trying to figure out how to take the next step. Yeah. And I think that's why you have I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. But what you're saying is like it you're saying you can have both. It's not, hey, you don't have to throw yeah. away one to have the other or vice versa, which I think is really important to hear. There's not a lot of guys who, who talk about that. This does no. this is this is like life life talk live, not bass yeah. talk live right now. <laughs> well, it is a little bit because um, you know, the bass fishing road is I've seen the inside of bass fishing, the the road and the path that it takes and the the wear and tear it has on friendships, on family. And you can't do everything. You're not going to have it all. You can't go to every, you're going to have to sacrifice massively. But the thing, what I think I did, all it is, is it's going to take longer. That's what you got to understand. It's going to take longer to achieve if you want to have all of those things in place. But what I did is actually I did the selfish sacrifice everything for a long time. But you could. Earth. You had no wife. I you could. had no kids. Yeah. You decided to take that risk, sell yeah. everything, and move over and do it. So I that's, mean, that why, was... that's why it's important when these kids talk to me and chat the Chad Smiths and stuff that are like trying to make educated decisions i'm like how old are you 24 no no girlfriend dude go do everything you can go into debt figure it out whatever you got to do sell whatever you got to do keep fishing live in the back of your truck just lose everything you're so young you'll chip away and come back i was able to do that and i was able to be selfish because it was just me mm -hmm. and then and then when kayla came into my life she sacrificed everything and helped me achieve it and took weight off me. But I still went after everything um, full throttle for a lot of years. Kayla was just all about my dream. So, you, that again, finding someone that is going to actually support that is, is massive as well. And so um, I've actually got to a point where, you know, having River, um, where I've got to – Kate, I've, we've talked, I've spoken to Kayla, like, you've got to make me go when I need to go because I want to spend time with River. I want to be with her, mm -hmm. but I know I've got to be on the water. I've got to be fishing, especially leading up to the Classic and Okeechobee. So um, you're going to have to have a talk with your family, your friends, and have that understanding that you are going to have to sacrifice some things, but you're not going to have to just – you just don't want to burn it all to the ground chasing yeah. this thing that um is going to take a lot a lot of time but i think that has been my thing is like can i compete at the top level and still hold everything down successfully as far as my body my health my family my relationships friendships fan base sponsors can you hold all of that together and be at the top level of the sport I'm hoping to show that it is doable, but it's it's a lot of work. It's it it's a no back off, constantly watching what's happening, talking to people, communication with everything, mm -hmm. and um, looking at yourself and saying, "Am I doing all the right things in my life?" 
but do you feel like you have a job or do you feel like you just get up every day and it's, Hey, here's, here's what we're doing today. I mean, isn't that the yeah. goal? Like if, Hey, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. I mean, that's, the, yeah. that's the common saying there, but I mean, that's, I mean, it seems like you that's kind of what you're, you're doing. Yeah. It's, it's one giant life. It's not work, family, fishing. It's all just it's all one. together. Yeah. That's, it's a, I think it's, that's yeah. key. Yeah. And I don't work. I love what I do. What I, it's the hardest work that I've ever done, but I don't also call it that. It's going, you're going to work harder than you've ever been. I take phone calls at nine o'clock at night to sponsors in Australia, 10 o'clock at night. From podcast people asking to come on the show the next morning. Yeah. yeah. And, and like today I have a zoom meeting at, at 11 with Hobie eyewear. I have a, um, another one after that with X2 and then, you know, and then I have emails constantly, but You've just, it's, I love it. I know what I have to do. And then when you find that bit of success and you have those things that come together, you you, you look back and you can see it. You see you're on this right progression, but there will be times where you're like, maybe I am doing the wrong thing. You said it perfectly before. It's a fight the whole time in my mind to be like, I just want to study and fish and do just that and I have to do all of these things with fishing but then I I have all of these other responsibilities so it's a constant battle in my mind like when I'm when I'm just when I have to give time to Kayla and River or my spot or a sponsor or whatever but I know I should be fishing it's so hard to let go go of that say it's going to be okay. I've been fishing for since I was 14 years old and uh, since I was four, but competing since I was 14. I know what I, how to do this. I've put in all of that sacrifice and work, which is I think has allowed me to like get to this stage. All of those sacrificed years of crazy, insane water time and work is is helping me to like not have to do that as much now i can split my time up a little bit better over the years that that's the conversation that i hear about kevin the most that guys are impressed about it's not that he's won four classics and seven angler of the years and five mlf events it's that he has been able to balance on the water performance with off the water sponsor relationships and family and, and all yep. of it seems to work together. That's the most thing that blows almost all of the top level professionals minds is like, dude, like how is he able to perform and be the top guy with the sponsorship and have all these other, uh, you know what I mean? Elements yeah. together inside yep. circles. I think that's what they're really impressed with Kevin about. And, and you're seeing it now to an extent with Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wheel is, he's different because he like, he is the he is more the frustrating part for an angler because he puts ridiculous time in. When you hear what he does, he goes from one event to the very next event. He's idling, you know, like you hear about him driving from this event, and he doesn't he know, talk about that. No, and he knows that you know they're on Sinclair the next year, so he's out there idling for year in advance pumps for a, a year in advance, and like that's the stuff that makes you go, "Oh, I'm not doing enough." What I actually like, I love about Brandon, about the way he fishes, is Brandon works super hard, is super successful, but he is he has that, like, ability on the water to, like, where he doesn't want to, like, have this crazy preconceived um, thing of this lake. He's so good at, like, 
putting on the lake and figuring it out. Yeah, in that's what I'm saying. That's what the maddening part is. Yeah, it's kind of like you've got to, you know, this is what it is. Pick what you're good at. You when this is the mistakes that I'd made as a younger. I looked at Iconelli and Aaron and these guys. They fished from. They were on the water half an hour before it was even mm-hmm. light. And when you came in at 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, it was 10 minutes before you had to be off the water and their trucks were still there. And then you were like, you felt bad because you came in 10 minutes early. And then they get back, they fuel up, would rig. It would be 10, 11 o'clock at night. And then they would be waking up at 3.34 in the morning and going again. And I tried to emulate that and just burnt myself into the ground. It didn't work for me. I can't, I couldn't function off that. And so then, and then you hear stories of Hackney who would go out for two days and figure a bite out and then not even practice on day three mm-hmm. and just get his tackle and boat and stuff rigged and say, I've got a plan. I'm going to go after it. What this is the 100% key. What works for you? Don't worry about what I'm doing, what all of these other guys are doing. What actually work, what works for you? That's going to be the thing that works best. And if it's not working, change it up and mix it up. But like don't try and fully emulate what these guys do because it's not it might work for you. But you do have to put in the time it has and the to sacrifice like, and the effort yeah. to find out what works for you. You can't yeah. be consistently sucking and saying, Hey, this is what works for me. This yeah, is what exactly. I'm doing. You have to be, a, you have to go through that gauntlet in order to figure out and to truly know and believe what works for you. That what, what I, what I had in my head um, was with the practice was if I, this is the only thing that got me through to make me feel better is after an event and I hadn't done any good, um, there was nothing more I could have done. Mm-hmm. What, what more could I have done? I, d- I practiced daylight till dark. I studied everything. I fished my heart out, everything I possibly could have done, and I came 80th. Well, I don't know what more I could have done. So then – then that's when you're like, I just got to keep going. Like, I just got to keep going and keep going and keep casting and keep casting and come out the other side of it and, and constantly try and figure out what does work for you. And what, what started to work for me was not fishing daylight till dark. I think you should be out there at daylight because that's when the tournament starts. That's when the fish are still abiding. Mm-hmm. That's in actual tournament hours. But fishing till 8.30 at night is just so stupid. Like, I would in some I, circumstances. In, in some and sometimes you can idle all yeah. till dark and find an extra school. I like my stuff organized. I have a lot of rods and reels that I like on the deck. I like to have be very versatile and I like my stuff in place and know that I'm organized. <laughs> and so I have to come in. Like the last two, three years, I'm like, I'm coming in at seven, seven thirty. That's mm-hmm. it. That's my cutoff. I can get in, I can fuel up, I can I can cut a few baits off, retie some ideas that I had, get into the camper, eat dinner, spend time with Kayla and Riv, put, go, go to bed, do a little bit of study, get good sleep and wake up and attack that next day and feel great all day, not worn out, not scatterbrained, not stuff everywhere. I'm just I'm, I'm switched on and I'm organized and I just feel good that way. I'm not in a rush. And um, so, so that, that has been a massive help on me that's what works for me but that might work for you when you're early in the days and you're trying to get better you better be fishing daylight till Mm -hmm. dark (laughs) 
real interesting. <clears throat> uh, I've told this story before on BTL, but Rojas, you know, and I rooted with him when I was covering the Elite Series, shooting photos, doing video and stuff. Like sometimes he'd be daylight to dark and he'd be stressed out and he'd come in, he'd be studying the maps, he'd have his sight fish circled and he'd be like, I got to go, 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 go. And then other times, like on a Tuesday, he'd show up at like one. Yeah. And we'd be like, are you on him? And he'd be like, no. He goes, my rule is when I am no longer productive on the water, he goes, yeah. it's counter, it's counterproductive to be out there when you're tired, when you're frustrating, when you're yeah. not being productive. And there's yeah. obviously, obviously certain times of the year, he goes, it's more productive for me instead of being frustrated for and exhausted for eight hours to do a hard reset, get off the water and spend my time being productive. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard and that that's kind of guys. Yeah. Echoes a, a little bit about uh, as long as you're doing that for that, because some guys are like, some guys are just lazy. I mean, that's yeah, all it comes the, down I to. They're get lazy. Back in. There's the yeah. beers are cold back there. I can do this, whatever. I can yeah. chill I mean, out. We're talking it, about guys who are committed. We're talking yeah. about guys who are dedicated to trying yeah, yeah. to make themselves better. That's what this conversation yeah. is about. It's not about yeah. your your average cat. No, this is like this is what you got to do to to get to the pinnacle of this sport and then yeah. stay there too it's it it is hard to get here it's way harder to stay here yeah. so way harder i was looking at this on my phone and it made me chuckle hallman this was we had this this in we had this saying in hockey you know a hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard but the problem with that is and i chuckled with this statement is the top level of the bpt and the elite series and fishing all the talent works their ass off so yeah. you've got the top talent that is also working the hardest it has yeah. figured out. So that's why it's, I mean, that's why it's so well, hard to crack into that top point. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you get the greatest in every sport, in every, in, in every, uh, every sport. That's when you get the top 0.1% of people is you have the talent, Fighting, basketball, football, it, hockey, yeah, doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. You have the talent, you have, the skills and then you have a ridiculous work ethic that people are just like can't can't keep up with or can't understand uh real quick story about wheeler that that i experienced like eight years ago or six, six seven years ago and then we'll we'll take a break and we'll move on uh we'll move on to some actual tournament stuff because you have absolutely flipped the script on your career to start things out this year carl uh Media event Toledo Bend. You have to go out with uh, with media guys like me. You don't have a choice. You're stuck for three hours, right? Yeah. So, so when this goes down, and, and it was a Gene Larue one when Wheeler was with Gene Larue, we're at Toledo Bend. I had a little list of things that I needed to shoot with them and some photos, and we get it knocked out in like an hour and a half. So I've got everything that I need. So we have another hour and a half. And, you know, everyone else is you got guys that are going crappie fishing. You got guys that are coming back in, having a cold pop, chilling out at the deal. And I mean, this is middle of the freaking season. T-Bend was just the Elite Series had just fished it. It's not on the schedule for anything. And I'm out with Wheeler. We knock everything out. We've got an hour and a half. We're by the bridge there that, you know, that north end that's not mapped very well at all yeah. on, on yeah. Toledo Bend. Like, because yeah. you, you physically can't like put the boats that do the contour maps through it. Yeah. And he goes, uh, he goes, Hey, we're, we're, we're done. Right. Right. And he goes, do you, do you want to fish? And I was like, I'm, I'm good, man, whatever. And he goes, okay. He goes, do you mind if I go up here and, and, uh, graph some stuff? 
And he's like, there's some areas up here that I don't have graft yet. And I know we're going to come to Toledo Bend in the future. So for yeah. an hour, he sat there and graft all of this stuff stuck on logs, standing timber. And he literally did that for years in advance. So every time he came back, he would he be like, that. he had that. I mean, yeah. that is, that's insane, dude. I mean, it yeah. wasn't like, hey, I'm going to be fishing here in three months and I want to fight. This was like, hey, yeah. I need to know what the hell's out here for the yeah. next two decades. And the only way to do it is to idle it. So I've got an hour now and I can knock out a couple acres. And that's what, and that's why you see him. He's the number one in the world right now. And he's winning everything is like, that's, that is what it takes to be at that crazy top consistent pinnacle that, and he, he has been successful right over his career, but man, it's when you have talent, you have work ethic and then you have and then you like put those ridiculous hours all together like from as in like from when he started his career to there like imagine the knowledge base that he has on every lake and situation that he's done that with that turns it into a person that's super hard to beat and it shows yeah uh all right we're gonna take our first break of the show I love it when something goes in a direction I wasn't planning on it. I mean, obviously, you're, you're wise beyond your years. How old are you now? Are you 38? 39? Yeah, 38. Yeah, same here. What's your yeah. birthday month? September. September 22nd. I got... Oh, we're exactly a month apart. Oh, really? 22nd? Yeah. That's cool. I'm, well, I'm August 18th. Good. Okay. Yeah. All right, we're going to take we're gonna take a break uh, when we come back. Like I said, stats, numbers, you are not just off to a great start this year you're off to by far unequivocally the best start in the history of carl jacobson <laughs> by astronomical number of points so we're going to dive into that uh Sweet. when we get back it's btl on a wednesday with carl jacobson we'll be back right after this the new puma sts has been redesigned from the ground up with the angler design function and performance in mind nothing on this new offering was compromised and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. 
No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. All right, welcome back, BTL, on a Wednesday with Carl Jockerson. I've got a, I got Red Crest pulled up on the old double screen over here, Carl. Yeah, I just saw it. I just, just had a little check. I'm a sick individual. <laughs> we had this talk before we went live. I, I would rather watch a spotted bass event with spinning rods and dock posts and light line than I would watch guys blow four and five pounders over the side of the boat flipping. Like I, I, je- I can't help that 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 is what I mean. Like I fished Lake Norman, like watching it this morning, you know, watching where Wiggins was and a couple of the other guys. It's like I actually recognize a couple of the docks from yeah, the open cool. a couple of years ago. I, I mean that that makes me twitch. That makes me want to watch it on the screen while we do the like. I is that is that wrong? Like everyone's like, oh, little spotted bass and spinning rod. That's my jam, man. That's that's <laughs> my, me as an angler. Like if they were yeah. all like that, that's what I want. Yeah. I know that's what you got to sort of. Uh, well, you you got to try and practice outside of that because that was sort of my jam too, and I wasn't good at the um, at the the big bass, you know, events where everyone smashes them, and um, and I had to sort of you have to figure out how to love when it is a big bass event and it is a slug fest and how to like get around that. That's that was kind of what happened this year which is cool to sort of see but um i I enjoy watching all types of fishing there's nothing better than like watching a specialist Mm -hmm. around docks like that with a spin rod or a baitcaster like i like watching it all but like what you said for you you love that you're good at that you you do well doing that but you've got to see that and then say like I've got to get better at this. Other like I'm so sick, Carl. Like right now, if it was 2008 on Falcon Lake, I'd be drop shotting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's how that's how that's how bad it is. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I I was I was out of my ten fish in this last open, 47th that I survived. We're talking uh, two shaky head, four Ned, two or three drop shot fish, and I made like six casts with a crankbait and caught one four pounder and was like, yeah, not for me. That, that, yeah, that's actual truth. That happened. I swear. <laughs> yeah, you gotta. Uh, uh, that's but that's you know you gotta be you're gonna be good at like your um you're gonna be good at your um those certain events or whatever. But then you know you're gonna have to figure out when 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 to like chase those big bites and be able to like capitalize when it is a slugfest. Your father was kind of a bit of a slugfest. Oh, absolute slugfest. It wasn't kind of a bit. It was a, it was a freaking big plug, big rod, punch them up, crank them up, flipping, blowing fours and fives over the side of the boat. And I'm over there going, please bite my worm on the show. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. All right. Uh, 2015, 2016 Bassmaster elite series. 2017, 2018 FLW Tour, 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022 Bassmaster Elite Series. Over the uh, course of I don't know all... if I want to hear this. <laughs> this is not bad. This is good. Three, four, five, six, seven. Over the course of those eight years, you obviously have 16 events each year. You have your first two events out of the year, right? Yeah. 
And, and that's basically a quarter of your season. So maybe a third of your season when you fish six events with FLW, yeah. a third to a quarter of the season. That's a, that's a lot folks. Yeah. It's 25% yeah. or 33% for those who are not math wizards. But over the course of those years, your average finish over the first two events, 68th place. Mm. Dude, you every single year of your career have started the first quarter of the season in a hole. Yeah. Yeah. And have come back to to be very close to just miss the classic. So, Mm. dude, you have not fished a year where it has not been an uphill climb. Have you, did you know that? Yeah. I probably didn't know it until now, but I sort of probably I, I would know it if if you sort of told me because yeah, that's how it's always started. I'm like, I'm in a fight again. I'm gonna have to fight my way out of this corner. It's yeah. just the feeling that I've I've had every single year since 2011. Your best year would have been 2020, where you started out with finishes of 57th and 44th. Otherwise, yeah. like each year, first year, you had 105th, 104th, and 88th, 108th, and 87th. Yeah, but this year, 2023, <laughs> sixth place Okeechobee, 11th place Lake Seminole. You are averaging an eighth place finish over the first quarter. You're second in the Bassmaster Lead Series Angler of the Year standings. And that has to feel freaking great. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable, especially leading into the classic. It feels uh, it feels really good. It's been a it's been a special month, a special year. Um, yeah, special two events. It's it couldn't not have gone any better. We had Scott on the road filming. We captured it all. It's um, it, it's cool when you have visions of what you want to do. You work towards them and you work super hard, and then it pays off. It's like wow, this is a good feeling because it doesn't always go that way. Uh, if you were to point to a couple of the biggest factors that you think resulted in the two top 11s to start, what would those be? Mm, um, first one would be just like different mindset mentally. Um, for sure. So after day one of Okeechobee, I caught 12 pounds and I was in 68. I was in 68. It's literally and, uh, your average yeah, finish for the yeah. first I'm two. Like, I'm like, here we go. And I got in the truck and uh, Kayla was driving. And again, like Kayla and I are, are a team and she, she helps in so many different aspects. But one of the things is she's like, I don't want to hear anything until you're out of the tournament. Like, don't say anything negative until you're out because so many times you've made a comeback and you complained and whinged the day before and then you catch a giant bag. She's like, when you're out and you had a bad one, she's like, you can have a day to be to suck and then back on the train. Let's go. And, and that's how I am too, but sometimes it's, it's awesome to have a partner or a friend or a person to actually, like, tell you that. And I was in the truck. And uh, I checked the standings and I'm like, 68. And like, I wasn't going to say anything because I know. And Kayla was like, don't want to hear it. <laughs> She's like, tell me after tomorrow. And I'm like, I know. And then, I, but I, I actually wasn't upset. I wasn't 
in any way um, discouraged in nothing. I knew what I could do the next day. I knew the potential. I kept my head in the game. I had a good night that night of like not being like overly frustrated because I had a frustrating day. Mm-hmm. I still got to do everything. And I went back out there with this great open mind and made good adjustments. And I went from 68th to 6th. And so that's what's cool about fishing is like it just you don't know what's going to happen and you have to put yourself in those positions and you have to make all of these different decisions and things go your way a little bit. But um, that's why you have to keep your head in the game every single cast to the very last cast, no matter what, because one cast can change your life, change your day in this sport. And so it's stupid to get discouraged when you're still in the tournament. Yeah, I think fishing is the only sport where you get massively patted on the back at halftime. Yeah. Like and if so, you think about that, you have one good day and your phone's blowing up. Yeah. And that's fine. That's great. But yeah, like, it's good. No Don't one, live in that. Don't yeah, live there. No one's sitting there going, dude, you're up 3-1 after the first period. Hell yeah. No one's yeah. posting, you know, we smoked them in the first half. Yeah, it's a it's a two half game and that's hard to hard to look at because it just takes place over days instead of hours. Did that happen in this in at Okeechobee? I had like a little, um, you know, epiphany moment type of thing where I looked at the I I was, you know, um, I'd looked at the scoreboard and then at night we're not allowed to look at social media especially if something mm-hmm. is going to help you but when the guys have a weigh-in picture you you see that and you like it and a lot of the guys were just like all unbelievable start to the season i'm guilty of doing it too oh, yeah. but i got this feeling when they would when i saw a few of that of like it's only day one like you've got to catch them day two to have a good start to the season and you've seen a bunch of it flip because Florida does that to people. It's, it's a, it's, you've got it. No matter what you, happens in Florida, you've got to catch them day two. That's mm-hmm. the day to catch them. It doesn't matter about day one. It doesn't well, even matter if 35 pounds, yeah, 30 bagger. Yeah. If you have a 30 plus, you like, and that's what Bernie did. Like, yeah. Bernie had a giant and then eight pounds, but like, sometimes that, that big bag carries you right through the entire tournament. Um, but yeah, you have to be like, you know, humble in a way of like, yeah, I caught him today, but like, tomorrow's the actual real day I have to catch him. And, and that's, you know, that made, a, that made a difference to me of like just not letting that day one affect your day two. Uh, I got to ask you a couple classic questions just to be the first because you're going to be one of the guys that gets a lot of media and publicity for this. Uh, and then, like I said, I know you've got uh, other meetings coming up today, so I'll let you go. But uh, I, I mentioned a lot, a lot more history on the river this time around. There's been a classic. There's been an elite series event. You've spent some time on it. Uh, it, do you feel like this is going to be a very educated field for the 2023 classic out of Knoxville, as far as guys, a lot of the field being in winning areas? Yeah, for sure. You know, you just, once you, there before, um, Otdefoe's classic, you could hardly find anything on mm-hmm. Fort Loudon and Teleco. You didn't know which way to go, where the population of fish were, how they acted with smallmouth play. You could see a couple of those old FLW ones. 
and they were always in the spawn. I actually fished a PAA event um, as a pro in like 2012 or 13. I was and, a media guy for that event. Like I was the I, PAA official. Really? Media guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, cr- that's cool. I was staying with Fred in, um, in a, f- a bit of a house of us. And uh, yeah, I think Brandon was like leading after day one or something. He had like 22 pounds. Um, but yeah, that, that I, so I had fished it way back then. Um, but yeah, you just could hardly see anything on it. And now you can really dive into it, but that can be a mistake too. You got to be careful because a different time of year, warming trend, you know, all of these things. So you, you got to put all of those pieces together, have a good, you know, educate yourself as best you can, but also make sure you're not like, putting it all into that because um you'll you'll get there and someone will be leading um up the teleco river as far as you can go or something you know and you're like oh, i didn't see that coming and that's yeah. how you know that's how the classic will get one it'll be someone going out of the box doing something a bit different because you know three cores of the field have these preconceived these creeks the stuff with gussie all of that is is you know and it could play still but the weather is different this time. It's going to be it's going to be a pretty cool classic. I think it's going to be the one one of the best ones ever. Is it hard for you to focus on on the water performance when crossing that stage has <laughs> has driven so much of your life from such a young age? Yeah, I I actually thought about it just the other night. I'm like, it's at it. I, I, got, I didn't get sad, but I'm like, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of sad in a way that like that chase I got there after all of this time, 20 something years of thinking about it, that the, the, the chase is kind of going to be over when I walk up that stage. I'm going to finally actually get to experience Are you going to cry it. on day one regardless of whether you <laughs> Probably, have one or I none? Don't- yeah, I don't know I what bet I'm going to do. Dude, because think about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, it's stupid. It's so it's so ridiculous that I'm going to be You're up totally there. It's not cry. even <laughs> And and just the Aussies and have my family there. It's going to be a battle to keep my emotions in check. Oh, you're going to be a mess. Yeah, but I got to make sure I check them because it is about like I can change my whole life again because I'm not just there to be in the classic. I'm there to compete. I'm there to win. I want to win. I could, I could make history again and, and be on bass fishing's history for life. And that's what I've put all of these work into to be there. So I, I can't let the emotions affect me too much, but there's also nothing that will um, hinder the feeling I'm going to have when I'm up there that week, whether I catch them or not, I'm going to soak in every single moment I'm up there and I'm on stage and I'm able to like finally like live out my dream um, that I've been dreaming for for so long. And the, the thing that doesn't make me sad about not having the chase anymore is like my, my dreams have grown. My dreams continue to adjust. I want to win Angler of the Year. I want to win a classic. I want to win more elite events. I want to be a part of this um, sport in a, in a big way, not just here, like just here. I want to be actually competitive and I'm, and I'm getting there. Um, but yeah, that, so you, you know, you, the goals and dreams always adjust. So you are always chasing, you're always trying to get better. That's a big thing of why I'm here is because I always am trying to get better. I'm always trying to learn. I'm trying to improve in every aspect. 
that's got me to here. And then now you've got to actually take it further and try and win this thing now that I'm actually in it. <laughs> how, uh, how many people are coming over from Australia? Um, we think, um, we don't really know, but there's like um, ABT, Steve Morgan and Nicole who run the tournaments over there. They put a trip together to help, you know, Aussies just because they know the travel mm-hmm. and how it works more. And they've got 20, like a group of 20 oh, wow. coming. Yeah. I mean, and that's so, not easy to go from Australia to the freaking middle of Tennessee. Middle of Tennessee. It's a, <laughs> it's it's crazy, dude. The, the, the money, people, and time, like the fans. I think there's probably going to be about 50 oh, plus wow. Aussies, yeah. Everyone's so, going to have the shirts and jerseys yeah, on, and they're going to yeah. go nuts, and we're going to do the oi, oi, oi thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll hear that going on the stage for sure. And then all, all your family, uh, all your your friends and family, too, from from the stage. Uh, from the states here so that's going to be yeah. special man yeah kayla's side all kayla's side of her family a bunch of my family um it's going to be it's going to be insane it's going to be so cool it's going to be something something special well dude it is uh it is march 8th and you you know everything you've talked about and everything you literally have the year and have worked hard and put yourself in position you have everything in front of you still it's that's cool to have everything in front of you when you think about it yeah yeah no it's it's a yeah it's cool to man it's a tough one to think about it's like you just you go through so much like this sport the highs and lows the lows are just so low just suck but they're the things that like push you I, i i remember that feeling of like the feeling of not catching them and getting kicked out is so bad for me that that's why I work because I don't want that feeling. I remember one morning I like I was going home at early in the morning, like back to the man cave or something, and I packed up and I left this hotel and the boats were going to the ramp for the top 12 of the <laughs> Open or the elites and I passed yeah. them. Dude, I got a knot in my stomach. I felt sick. I could have spewed. And I'm just like, I'm never going to let this happen. I'm going to do whatever I can to be there fishing every single day. And, and like those painful parts are what you, you can let them. Most people let that and let those downs. And when I got kicked out of the elites and all the people that have done, they let that define them and let that actually affect them to where they they don't compete anymore. you got to let those failures fuel you more than anything because failure fuels you. It's the building blocks to the to where you want to be i said it on stage the other day and a lot of people were like man that was i've never heard that before but i said i failed my way here Mm -hmm. i've continued to fail my entire life and now i'm at right where i want to be right where i need to be and it's letting yourself go letting the ego go and letting whatever else go to put yourself out there be vulnerable to fail in front of everyone and they're all going to see it and they're all going to see but like no one remembers ask anyone when they remember my bad events they don't care like no they one remember 10 killer they met 10 killer they remember top 10 gunnersville, cuts, gunnersville on the bridge they remember yep. swim bait on table glide rock. bait yeah table rock chickamauga glide bait like yep. I, I would come I, 
I remember a few years ago, I was like 80th in the points, had the worst season ever, had one good event. People saw me on TV or whatever it was. Oh, what a and year that, you're having. Yeah, they kept <laughs> saying that. I'm like, I'm having a terrible year. And But they saw that and just saw it yeah. as like, oh, man, you're crushing it. And so, you know, you got to – you can't worry about failing too much. Yet the thing, if you're failing, it means you're trying. If you're not failing, you are not trying. You need to be continually failing all the time until you get it right. And um, that's that's like that's in life and in so many things, but it's especially big in this sport because you're gonna fail a bunch and you're gonna have to get used to it. And uh, the 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 faster you get used to it, the the quicker you're going to get to the top. Quick X and O's question. You yep. good? Chris Flynn yep. wants to know, can you ask no Carl rush. why he fishes the larger X zone swammer on his swim jig instead of the smaller one? Is it just the larger profile slash bait profile? Thank you. So that was a, a big, that's what I caught all of my big fish on mm -hmm. down in Florida and Seminole. Um, there's two things um, when it comes to a swim jig and it, and, and a lot of a lot of things, but like any time with a chatterbait, with a spinnerbait, with a swim jig, when you get a skirt in front of something and you put a little trailer at the back, that skirt blocks the water flow that wants to work over that trailer to actually make it swim. And so if you tuck something in too close to that skirt, it can't actually get the flow it needs to have the correct action. So Having a when you when I'd put a four inch um, trailer on there, it, it wouldn't swim like what the five inch one would. So that bait being back further would get the the flow and it would make that swim jig rock and it make the paddle tail go, and uh, it would it would swim on the fall and that was a big thing. But the main reason it was bigger is because um, just over the years and through glide bait fishing and big bait fishing. I've learned that and, and from visually watching bass, if you see a bass hanging around a bed or hanging on a stump and getting, when they're about to bed, but they haven't made a bed yet, they get territorial. And if you can see, sometimes a bunch of bluegill will be all around that bass and they'll be little and the bass doesn't care. The, the bluegill will swim around it and that bass just doesn't even budge. But if a big bluegill swims in around there, that thing will take off and chase it and try and get it away from there. They they don't like that bigger thing because they're territorial, they're, they're guarding that area. And so that big swim jig was the key to getting all of those big bites. When it fell and got down around those big bass, they just attacked it because it was kind of in their zone where they didn't want it. If it was little enough, those big ones were just like, eh, you're not going to bother me. So there was a few different factors, but watch how things swim in the water and you'll learn a lot. Watch how the bait swims. How does it react when you move it? How does it swim when it sinks? They're all the little things that I'm looking at. Three-eighth ounce, when it pulls the swim jig down, it doesn't pull it fast enough for the tail to paddle. The tail would stay stiff until it got enough speed to start paddling. And just that little gap of that, that swim bait not swimming was enough to like get zero bites. But the half ounce pulled it down fast where the paddle tail actually swam on the fall instantly. And so when it was sinking and swimming, those all the vibrations and all those things that those fish didn't like. They're all the things that you just got to kind of keep learning. And that's what I've, you know, lucky to, 
to learn that through all my years of getting my butt kicked down in Florida. <laughs> the failure got me to here, got me to the sixth and eleventh. <laughs> Just took ten years. That's really good stuff. Uh, I think I think your uh, your attitude and kind of spirit and story obviously is part of why. Well, it's why I spent forty eight bucks on a freaking t shirt. <laughs> But, I got some uh, money. <laughs> you did. You got, I was like, I'm getting one of these. I'm like, oh golly, Carl. Carl's eating steak at the at the classic every night. On but, you. Uh, on me. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, I do the clothing thing, and it is it's astronomical. By the time you do the ship it in handling, and then they get theirs, yeah. and you do the printing, and you send it oh, out. Yeah. But uh, uh, I just wanted to throw this up outside, and for those who are interested, it is just fear my heart. Uh, dot com. It talks about yep. the whole story on here. Bunch of different, uh, a lot of AFCO stuff on here, too. Yep. But a bunch of different uh, apparel, hoodies, stuff that you can, and and kind of do the whole, Yeti. you know, the story of Fear My yep. Heart. So definitely something worthwhile and and cool to see everyone. Uh, you know, there's a couple guys that have done their own brands there, and I think out of all of them, you've done it. You know, one of the one of the best ways. Yeah, no, with I that Fear My it. Heart. Yeah, you know? everyone's. You know, it just that. The fear my heart is not mine. It's not my thing. It's everyone's. I want, you know, I want to put it out there. It's going to be, it's going to be a big, a bit, my biggest thing one day. That's what I actually truly want to see grow and get bigger. And it just resonates with certain people. And they're like, that's me. Because if you don't have the talent, I wasn't born with a fishing talent. I just had a passion. Um, I didn't have the experience over here. I didn't have, um, you know, all of the people teaching me everything over here, it all I had was that heart and guts to, you know, dig through all of that and become better. And that, that resonates with a lot of people. Hey, I haven't got all of this, but I got heart. And that's often all you need because sometimes the talented people don't have heart and don't, you see it all the time in fighting. It's so common in UFC for the guy that's coming up, that's digging through, that's, been in the trenches will beat the world champion undefeated guy that's just an absolute savage unbeatable he's at the top a little bit too long and that guy climbing the mountain is going to come up underneath him he just he's more hungry he wants it more he's got more heart and you'll see him they'll it they it, it's hard to stay at the top when you got this guy underneath coming at you and that's that's the attitude you got to have um I do want to mention if people listen to this, we're doing a late cleanup um, this uh, this Sunday at Knoxville. So if you're watching this, if you're within a driving distance of Knoxville, we're doing a big fear my heart cleanup um, at the but the main boat ramp downtown Knoxville. There, the Governor Ned Landing, Riverside Landing, and um, there's already a ton of people. We've got a bunch of prizes: fear my heart, Mustang, Yeti, um, Skosh. We got prizes free hobie eyewear for the first 20 people my sponsors really got behind it and we're going to do a massive three-hour late cleanup and try and make it look decent as best we can for uh, Dude, that's badass coming in at the classic yeah uh, that's really cool so if they want more information on that about when where who what Jump, where yep. where do you go jump on my page just jump on my instagram or facebook and have a look at the last few recent posts and there's um all the info it's 9 30 till 2 on this sunday the 12th march 12th downtown knoxville um and it's going to be it's going to be a super cool day you'll see your fear my heart tent put up you'll see my truck there come down sign a waiver and uh we're going to have a 
cool day of uh, just cleaning so you, up. So you don't end up back on the streets if someone twists <laughs> an ankle picking up garbage? Yeah, someone just roll their ankle and they're like, I'll take hey, I all know, of that. I know you've got an inspirational story, but, but uh, looks like I you're going to be starting over in about six months after my lawyer's done with you. I need a new truck and home. <laughs> Thanks for that. Appreciate yeah. you. Appreciate uh, you, your heart. You inspired me to sue you. <laughs> I'm going to do it as best I can, too. I'm yeah. going to put all my heart into it. I'll never give up. <laughs> Thanks to you. Thanks for the oh, inspiration. Gosh. All right, Carl. That was good stuff. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You got a lot Too of people easy, pulling mate. for you. And uh, like I said, it's been, it's been about seven months since you've been on BTL. And I, I was going through the guest list. It was like, dude, like, you, like I said, you'd be perfect for this. So thanks for jumping on. Uh, you got, I was thinking today when I, before I was jumping on, I still remember the first interview that you and Mark gave me. I was in the, um, it was like, you were called a radio show. It wasn't like yeah. a podcast, I don't think. It was like, oh, I'm in, I couldn't believe that an American like company wanted to We were the first me. interview, right? Your yeah. first like real mm -hmm. American interview. Yeah, yeah. And I was, it was just a phone call um, and I was in the car park at Lake Champlain of like some cheap, uh, hotel because you were practicing Champlain. with fred on the elite series mm. and everyone was like who the hell is this guy like you didn't really talk you just kind of sat there you're a young kid and fred's like <laughs> yeah. i don't know some dude from the u.s <laughs> open who just follows me around i picked him up and, <laughs> and that's serious but then but then like i was single you were single we we're freaking in our early 20s like walking yeah. around so then we got to know each other we go out and have a beer and hang out and then you would take that single mattress in Oklahoma and be like, I might, where are you staying at for the nickels? And we're like, Oh, we got like a double queen. That's bed. right. And you yeah. would put the freaking single mattress in between in the room. and sleep on it. You'd be yeah. gone before we got up. You get in late. I mean, yeah, it's, it's good crazy. Times, yeah. Yeah. Like you, you were the first one to sort of just like, when I tell people, a lot of people be like, Oh, that's cool. But you were like, what are you doing? Like, and you sort of like really were like this, your story's crazy. And you always just kept up with that. And, um, it was cool. Yeah. You saw me like your father and stuff. Like yeah. I thought it was heaven that I could put my single mattress in, in that hotel room or whatever, you know, like I was yeah. like, Oh, not in the back of the truck. That's awesome. And uh <laughs> you were obsessed with, uh, are you still upset? You were obsessed with like 16 ounce blade baits. That was like your thing. Like it yeah. was anytime, like when we fished together, probably a half dozen times in a couple tournaments, anytime we weren't catching them, you went to a blade bait. Didn't matter the yeah. time of the year or what. And you went out deep. And started, brr, brr, yeah. Brr. I mean, that was your confidence bait. Well, what happened was it was big in Australia. And like when you would target bass, that was all that you would catch are those Aussie bass on the blade bait. That's all that was there. And then I moved to California and it was with Gary Boyd, the only person I knew in, in America. And so I was living downtown LA in, it was just, it was crazy, but Lake Pyramid and a few of those lakes were really close there and they were crystal clean and it was cold early in the season. And we went there and Gary taught me how to drop shot and shaky head. And he taught me all of these things and we we're catching bass. Well, I put on one of those blade baits that I had confidence in, in Australia. And I started throwing it up on the rocks and just, and just let it sit on the bottom and then donk get a bite five pounder six pounder giants for that place and it's freezing cold and i'm like i could have won several tournaments i didn't want to jump in and back then but like i'd look at the weight to be 18 pounds and i'd catch like 23 24 it was insane so when i moved to 
scout south, I'm like, I've got like the silver bullet, you know, this is yeah. just going to crush them. If you vibrate that thing, it's like crappie, bluegill, catfish. Uh, dude, that's what I remember. <laughs> Drum, we, yeah, everything we but like a bad. 11 species uh, on yeah. that cove in the shoot and you fall a... And I just remember thinking, my God, this thing catches everything. And you had like a like six-pound test, and you'd be yeah. like, oh, there's one. And it'd yeah. be drum, crappie. It was. It was everything that swims yeah. except a quality bass. Yeah, no quality bass in the south will eat that thing, especially if it's not freezing. But there'll be a time. There'll be a time. You watch. It'll happen. Watch, you're you're going to win the classic on it yeah. now. And come back on this thing. All right, Carl, I'm going to let mate. you go. I, I greatly appreciate it, man. That was a heck of an interview. Yeah, good to talk to you, mate. Appreciate All you right. having me on. All right, you. see ya. See ya. All right, that was Carl Jacobson. Uh, that was good stuff. All right, we're going to dive more into Redcrest a little bit when we get back, talk about what we got coming up the rest of the week. And next week, it is BTL on a Wednesday, and we'll be back right after this. you need one legendary brand top one strike king hey guys gerald swindle representing the afco hydronaut this is the jacket i love wearing when times is tough and i'm talking about the weather not the fishing the jacket what i like i got a double cup right here i can seal up the bottom of my jacket because when you're fishing you're holding your arms up you're bad about getting water runs downhill everything bends good i'm long arm look it fits very comfortable my arms is flexible i've got the speed hood on pouring down range i can get everything zipped up one thing they did is they made plenty of pocket space if you ain't got enough pockets in the hydronaut rain suit you just got too much stuff from the waterman brain that's 30k baby 30 times the reason you ain't gonna get wet super warm if it's cold in the winter time you put on your hydronaut you're gonna be a much more comfortable person if you don't want to just look sexy at dairy queen wear your hydronaut we got it from small to 5x most rain gear does not come in that many sizes you got waist adjusting strap we can make it fit you no matter what the environment is we want you to be comfortable we want you to be dry you gotta check it out it ain't gonna let you down are you looking to install your own fishing electronics the solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Get the best patterns backed by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the Deep Dive app today. Look at that beast right there. All right. Boy, that snuck up on me there. I was texting. So uh, I've got kind of some breaking news. We're doing a very special show tonight, 8 p.m. Central Time. Myself, Matt Steffen, potentially some other guests, we're doing the Bass Fishing Conspiracy Show. Now, fishermen have an interesting life, as you just heard from Carl, where we travel around the country at all hours of the day at all sorts of places, not a lot of them populated. And there's some, there's some people who may or may not have seen some things. Some things that shouldn't exist, maybe some things that do exist, maybe some extraterrestrial things, maybe some things that are legends and lore. Anyway, we're going to talk about them tonight. 8 p.m., Matt Steffen, myself, 
uh, I, I've seen some crazy stuff. I've seen some stuff that I sh- that that should not. I mean, let's just say I saw a ghost bride at the Castle Boykins boat ramp at 3 a.m. in the morning on a foggy full moon at Sam Rayburn. I did. I saw it. I'm going to tell that story. And uh, Matt Stefan, if you go back a couple years in his uh, Insta or his YouTube videos, um, He's he's also seen some some interesting things in his life. So I think we've also talked maybe a, a couple other uh, anglers who have seen some stuff and really not talked about it before to get on tonight for a special conspiracy theory episode of BTL. Uh, we'll call it UTL, the unexplained talk live. Had to be careful with that one. So that's what we have uh, going on tonight. I mentioned it just briefly with uh, uh, with Carl on there, but man, I don't know why I'm so obsessed with the spotted bass derbies. Like, I really like them. I think spotted bass are the the most underrated. Uh, I think spotted bass are the most underrated species out of the three bass. They don't get the the respect that they deserve when it comes to tournaments. Love catching those things. All right, uh, tomorrow. Day four, number 106, with the man, Frank Scalish. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about. We're probably going to talk about spotted bass based on what's going on with Redcrest. That thing is like six days. Uh, and right now, Dustin Connell, guy who won three tournaments last year, uh, leading, qualifying day one. Edwin, former Redcrest champion, second. Zach Burge in third. Uh, you see some very familiar names with Spotted Bass. Justin Lucas, Jesse Wiggins, Brian Thrift, Brent Ayler, Matt Lee, Greg Vinson. Dude, those are all either Alabama guys or guys who like catching Spotted Bass. So things are shaping up at Redcrest over on Lake Norman, and things will be shaking up with day four, number 106 tomorrow. But first, 8 p.m. Central Time tonight, a live night show, BTL at night. Unexplained talk live. Professional anglers coming on to talk about some crazy stuff that they have seen. This is the stuff that we talk about like over a cold one after the tournament where it's like, oh yeah, well, I remember this one time and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's like, no way. No, you didn't. I was like, dude, are you willing to talk about this on a show? Heck yeah. Why not? Well, come on. So that's what we got going on tonight. 8 p.m. This has been another edition of BTL Bass Talk Live. Massive shout out to Carl Jacobson. Uh, for kind of opening the playbook, opening his heart, and talking about uh, all things Bassmaster Classic and his rise to the top in his second place standing in the Angler of the Year on the Elite Series after two events. We'll talk to everybody tomorrow.